Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 73 of the Spoiler Cast. I'm your host, Dan, and I'm joined by Allie. Hello! Tristan. What is a podcast? A miserable pile of episodes. And Barra. Hey, everybody. Hey. Um, the Spoiler Cast is um, our look at something we've been playing, watching, experiencing in some way, shape, or form. Um, we are going to talk about it in full, um, what our thoughts are, uh, you know, spoil endings, things like that. So spoil all spoilers are go um, based on the episode of the show. And today's episode, or what we will eventually talk about after catching up quickly, is the Castlevania series on Netflix. Um, animated series... Um, Season three just came out, correct? Yeah. Yep. Um, so I just uh, before we I, we'll catch up a little bit. I haven't seen it, so I'm gonna be facilitating today, um, and the lovely rest of y'all are gonna talk talk me through why I should watch it or why I shouldn't. So it'll be it'll be a it'll be a good old time. This is gonna be an interesting episode because I think generally I am in the category of generally liking much of the things that we put out unless we're all on the on the bandwagon of this is all complete garbage off the last season of game of thrones off uh and i'm not going to say i dislike castlevania in fact i'm gonna watch season four but the level of meh i am about it is interesting especially when there are things that i do really like about it and we'll get into this, but I'm also a giant Warren Ellis fanboy. Like, if you were to ask me, who are my five real people alive today to come to dinner, Warren Ellis would be one of them. Actually, let me see what the record is. Bernie fucking Sanders. Uh, Warren... <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real here. The kid... <laughs> the Can you imagine here. Bernie Sanders and Warren Ellis in a room together? I'd cry. It would be beautiful. <laughs> but yes, Warren Ellis... Uh, George R. R. Martin, who then I would I would just try not to pass her about the book. Of course, the great Masahiro Tanaka, and yeah, Karen Gillan. Yeah, Karen Gillan because reasons. Okay. <laughs> well, well, we'll talk after the show. <laughs> um, so we are we are casting now. I don't, I don't want to spend a bunch of time on it. Um, but we are casting during uh, COVID-19. Um, not exactly lockdown where, where we're at. Um, but I think that's coming on Monday. Um, yeah. That's, I heard like a that. Sh- a shelter I, in place for you guys? I believe shelter in place is good. Though I heard, I've heard that shelter in place is going to come to Massachusetts on Monday. That's not a confirmed news report, but that's just something that's being passed around. And for instance, the newspaper, which is a... Um, that is considered to be a vital industry, so we will be getting if it when if and when it happens, we'll get stuff to be able to transport. Although I'm mostly like working from home um, and uh, trying to avoid going out and being near people as much as possible. And yeah, um, it's gonna be weird uh, not hugging a person for potentially months. Uh, <laughs> that is a bizarre thing. Some to say, of us but... haven't been potentially hugging people for longer. <laughs> well, I have, I have far those... <laughs> less percentage of wasp in me than you do, Tristan. 
<laughs> no, no, no. Some of us have just been poor, miserable weebs most of our lives. I was gonna, uh, Tristan. I was gonna say also, Bears is invol is uh, involuntary. So, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I've been isolated for like months. And, and for the record, like I'm not even talking about sex. I'm talking about like hugging my friends. Like I want to hug you, yeah. Tristan, and I can't. I want to hug. I I always want to hug you, Allie. I can't because Aww. Virginia, but yeah. No, it's just yeah. like, it's just, it's like, I, I'm getting, getting get touch starved in a way that, yes, Tristan is right. Friend a lot starved. of men are used to this level of touch starvedness, but that's not how I have chosen to live my life. And now it's about <laughs> to drive me crazy. I, uh, I'm, I mean, just all things aside, my, you know, petty first world problem thing to complain about is like, obviously not being able to see friends, especially because... Um, my group of friends and I just started another legacy game and, uh, it's one it we've pandemic? all been really excited about and now we can't play it because, you know, we can't be in groups together. Mm. Yeah. Our, Sorry, so did you have a question, Barra? Is it Pandemic Legacy? No, it's, uh, King's Dilemma. Ooh, what is that about? How, how, what's that? Uh, imagine Game of Thrones, but good. Ha! <laughs> Actually, no, that's like, that's just me pulling a, a low blow. It's like you play as different generations of council members on a king's council. And nice. like each time a generation ends, you know, the king abdicates or dies and you're trying to steer the kingdom towards, you know, are you guys going to be really triumphant or like, are you going to be instrumental in the kingdom's downfall? Like it's, it's, there's this whole like plot line and it's really good. I'm gonna try not to gush about it and not spoil no. anything, but it's really good. If so, you, if anybody the hears into is for games, play that game. Can you say the name of the game one more time? Uh, King's Dilemma. King's Dilemma. Yeah, I would recommend it not as a first-time legacy game, just because it's a lot to chew on. Got it. Um, personally speaking, I really liked the betrayal uh, on the house on the uh, the haunted house on the hill legacy game. That was pretty good. Mostly because it felt like you just played a bunch of games of Betrayal that had, like, sort of a continuing plot. <laughs> I know a lot of people really love uh, the Pandemic Legacy Season 1 and 2. I haven't played those because I don't really like Pandemic. At least not, like, mainline Pandemic. And then there's also uh, Legacy uh, Werewolf as well, which is really fun. Nice. Yeah. Uh, in similar news, Dan and I uh, have been part of a D&D group that's been meeting for the last, oh god, year and a half now? Yeah, about. About. Um, and we're now having to look into uh, alternatives instead of meeting, which is really a shame. Uh, so, quick story. In, our, in this campaign, our party of adventurers have come into the ownership of a small manor that we are currently renovating into a distillery. Oh, cool. Um, and we have a agreement with a local uh, cidery to buy their used barrels. And I was thinking, like, the other week, like, I wonder what the closest analog of what we have now would be. And then I spotted, when I was in the liquor store, a bottle of Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey Cider Cask Finish. And I'm like, oh! You know, that's probably the closest thing to what our in-game distillery is going to make. So I picked up a bottle. 
This bottle is not going to last until the next time we meet in person. <laughs> nice. Uh, which is a shame, because I was really hoping to share it with folks. Um, but yeah, right now we're looking into, I think it's Roll20. Yeah, Roll20 is one. Um, it's it's more of a actual tabletop thing. Um, I'm, I'm of the mind we can just use like a Discord. So that's actually right. something that I've seen a lot of. And um, I have a... A group of friends who actually last night they did i wasn't part of this this gathering quote unquote but they actually all met on, over discord and played jackbox together and i think they like shared this one of their screens with jackbox on it and they all played on their phones and just hung out together so that there's a lot of like nice. fun cool digital ways to connect yeah. and even do like physical play like quote unquote physical things with, with each other and with your friends from from a, from a social distance um which is neat um, gamers yes. introverts Weebs, now is our time. <laughs> yeah, I'm really good at staying indoors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's on the resume. Yeah. Uh, so, um, Ali, you've been playing some King's Dilemma with, with mm-hmm. your group of friends. Um, we've been doing some D&D and we found virtual means. Barrow, what have you been doing to pass some other time working remote? Well, uh, one of the things I've been doing is watching Castlevania. Um, yeah. Another thing, which is a bit funny because I have no ground beef in my fridge, is <laughs> I've been watching The Burger Show, which is a show of, It's like this 10-minute, like, YouTube show. Um, and, a, a, yeah. Oh, I, uh, speaking it, of... I was going to say, speaking of 10-minute uh, shows, um, I don't know if this is in anybody here's wheelhouse, Bear, maybe yours, maybe the whole group's. Um, but Metalocalypse is free streaming the entire yes. series right now on the Wait, whole adult, series on Adult Really? <gasps> yep. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, I guess I I hit a hit it struck a struck a vein there. Totally do, totally totally do. They so. call this. I went to Food's Libraries other day. There was no toilet paper, Toki. <laughs> Hello, you are a Jimmoof. That's called a grandma. I'd like to. <laughs> <laughs> so you very even kitties. You've been consuming a lot of like uh television or a lot of Castlevania series. actually. Nice. Um uh and also I mean Star Trek Picard. I mean, I was doing that beforehand, but show is very good. You know, when you have Pulitzer Prize winner Michael Shaban writing uh Patrick Stewart's return to the iconic role that he loves. Uh, it's good. Is Star Trek Picard perfect? No. Is it consistent throughout? No. But consistency, inconsistency is a feature, not a bud, uh, a bug of Star Trek. Um, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, taking risks and do it, trying different things, and not everything works. But when it does work, it works great. Yeah. No, for sure. So, yeah. Uh, I've, I've had a long day, so I'm maybe a l- less on the sharper side. But uh, yeah, I marathon Castlevania this week. I'll definitely have thoughts on that. Uh, I tried to download Control to start this, but apparently I need a physical copy of that. Uh, and it yeah. is for Xbox, right? Yeah, there there is some weirdness going on between the developers of Control and Xbox. Xbox, like- from what I understand, from what I've read... They're basically like, we don't think this will make enough money for us, so we're not going to put in any real effort to support it. And it's not on, but like, Steam does that or mean anything I... like that? 
No, it's uh, out on Steam later this year. I think right now it's on the Epic Store. So wait, can I play it on an Xbox One or no? Oh, Xbox One. Like, can I get a fit? Can I get a physical media copy of Control or yeah or a, yeah a for Xbox? Yeah, yeah. It's just it's not on Game Pass or like on the online store because Xbox is being weird. Yeah, yeah, they're, being, said, they're being extreme. They're it. being extreme. Well, no, no, no. Weird. It 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 gets weirder because different people between both Control's developers and Xbox like staff have alternately said it will be on Game Pass, and then no, it won't be on Game Pass, and then yes, it will be on Game Pass. Yeah, it's been and a lot it's of It's not going to be on Game Pass yet. Like, it is so much weirder than, like, any other, like, publishing hosting situation I've seen in a very long time. I don't understand what, like, what, why Microsoft has such a stick up their butt about this game. Like, right? There, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, did, did they not see... How like amazing it is, and second of all, how many goddamn awards it won. That's that's the weird thing about this. Like, someone somewhere has some issue with someone else on the other side of things. Yeah, that's really the only thing I can see happening, and it sounds really personal and petty and stupid. Yeah, but honestly, like that wouldn't surprise me. And we will eventually uh, talk about control um, once we we'll um, we'll march over to Microsoft's offices. And Microsoft, give Barra a copy. Barra, or we will cough on you. Copy. That's right. We're not Please don't. Sick. Please don't joke about that. <laughs> You're a kind soul, Allie. You're a very kind soul, and the world appreciates you. Um, but yeah, so what have you been doing in your in, in your isolation, Dan? Oh, um, well, I mean, uh, D&D stuff like Tristan was mentioning. Uh, Allie and I have actually been playing um, a game that couldn't have come out at a better time. And if it weren't for the fact that the release date's been known for a little while, I would think it was planned this way. Um, Animal Crossing New Horizons came out. Yeah. Just just yesterday? (laughs) Just yesterday. God. (laughs) And I've already got so much stuff. Yes. Um, We were playing a little bit before... um, you jumped on. You jumped on Barra. I was visiting Allie's Island, which was very nice, very much more populated than mine, and um, it was not without some effort. And also playing for an entire like two days. Yeah, but it was neat. It gave me some ideas, and I, I, I don't know. I feel like Animal. I, I doubt we'll ever do an Animal Crossing spoiler cast because there really isn't anything to spoil <laughs> with Animal Crossing. Tom Nook killed who now? Yeah. Except for the Tom Nook murder, but other than that... <laughs> the Tom Nook murder mystery party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, K.K. Slider's a ghost. Yeah. I mean, he does appear to you in a yeah. dream in the beginning of the game, which is a little strange. Yeah, I was going to say, don't don't joke, because K.K. comes at you in a creepy way. Uh, but um, I don't know. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I mean, it's only been out for two days, and you can only do so much in a day without cheating, Allie. But Shut up. The, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, because it runs on real time and they have different things that take certain amounts of time but I'm having fun I I think the big thing this time around for me Allie that I'm enjoying more than other games in the series past is the crafting which could probably get tedious um, with things breaking like in Breath of the Wild but um, yeah it's not too bad especially because like 
once your island opens up to you a little more, um, being able to craft that stuff really quickly is good. And also using your Nook Miles to buy Nook Miles tickets. Because literally I just go to islands and destroy them for resources like a good little capitalist. Nice. So Animal Crossing Imperialism Edition. So I like that, and I also really like the Nook Miles system in general. I, that's that's new, right? Yeah. Bas- basically, it's uh, for those who haven't played. It's it's basically like mini achievements that give you points that you can use to buy stuff. So if you catch five fish, you get a in a row. You know, without missing one, you get some Nook Miles. If you build your first thing in the crafting table, you get Nook Miles. It's um. It just kind of keeps it going. There's there. It looks like there's like dailies, right? Allie? Yeah, there's dailies, and when you finish those like five dailies, you just get more. Right, more. So more like you more can days. like constantly earn like points for doing little things, which is nice. It gives you more stuff to do, honestly, which is good. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, it 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 provides a little bit of purpose to some of the things you're doing. So if you're walking around yeah. the island pulling weeds, <laughs> don't at least sell after- all your weeds though. You can build things with them. Right. Uh, at, at least, though, like when you pull a hundred weeds off your island, like you get some points for it now. Versus just I'm wandering around aimlessly pulling weeds off my lawn. So, yeah, there is for the sheer enjoyment of destroying Mother Earth. <laughs> there is a new feature uh, that one of the YouTubers I follow was really happy about, and it was it's that it lets you actually pick which hemisphere you are in. Yes. So that you can, because seasons and stuff are flipped. Uh, and he lost his shit uh, because the way it poses it is, where do you live? Oceania? Elsewhere. Yeah. It's just like, that's that's what it is. is. Do you live in Oceania or do you live anywhere else in the world? Yeah. Well, I think it also depends on what region your uh, Switch is into because I got, do you live in North America that's or somewhere else? Yeah. yeah. Well, he, yeah. he's Australian, so for him it was just... Oceania or anywhere else in the world. That is kind Which of funny. Is, though, yeah, no, to be I get fair, North America. Well, then what you guys saw was, do you live in North America or anywhere else in the world? Yes, that's what we got. Yep. Like, how American is that? Actually, yeah, it just said America and then other. Yeah. It said America, give me other. a cheeseburger. America, <laughs> America, comma, give Go me Packers. a cheeseburger. Uh, but no, I'm having a good time with it. I suspect I'll play it a little bit more. It's it, honestly, it's it's nice to have something like that to give me a bit of a virtual commute to and from work because uh, I don't get to you know walk and take the bus to work anymore. I'm just sitting <laughs> yeah. in my house. <laughs> so <laughs> well, you can always you can always stand in the bathroom and hold on to your shower rod like you're riding the subway. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh no! That's, That's good. That is really good, actually. Awesome. You know, suit, tie, briefcase, just standing in your bathroom, holding onto the shower rod. Yeah. <laughs> look, look, I'm going to work. Just I'm like an old work. <laughs> <laughs> just like shake a little bit, or like you know, lunge for it every now and then. <laughs> yeah. Apologize to the invisible people around you. Uh, oh the my other god, pro- that's too good, Tristan. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> the other pro coping technique I have seen is refer to your family, children, or pets as your co-workers. Oh, no. Yes. So if you need to tell any stories about what's happening while you're in isolation, it wasn't your cat that knocked over the p- 
pie like a moron. It was your coworker. Ah, uh, fucking Dave. Yeah, we. Right? Um, God. A- Ashley and I, based on the inter- internet suggestion, Ashley and I have Cheryl. Cheryl is our coworker. <laughs> oh my god. Um, Cheryl left the coffee pot yeah, on again. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, speaking speaking of being in isolation with folks. Uh, so the day before we closed our location, uh, the owner of a nearby jewelry stop, store came by because he had closed up for the day, and he was like, the last three days I've had more business than, like, the last three months. Really? And, and it was people buying engagement rings. Oh, right. Weird. Now, ladies and gentlemen, for the love of all that is good and holy, do not propose... At the beginning of your isolation. Wait until the end. Make sure you can stand each other's presence for prolonged periods of time. Without the ability to go outside and do things before you pop the question. Please. Well, I mean, they're probably they're probably getting ahead of it just because they don't know how long it's going to last and they had plans to propose, right? Right. Makes just like anything else, like why would you buy, you know, emergency food supplies and other things? You're getting ahead of it. Yeah. The uh, the weirdest thing was for me at least going to the store uh, earlier in the week, and my fiance had said like, oh, you know, like can you buy some yeast while you're out for the bread maker? Because you know we're stuck inside. Mm-hmm. May yeah. as well use the bread maker. There was literally no yeast on the shelves. Yeah, I was going to say, we have a bunch of yeast we might be able to send you. <laughs> Anywho, yeah, please mail me your yeast. I need yeast. <laughs> Everyone mail Allie. Please donate to yeast. my GoFundMe for yeast. <laughs> yeast you for the innocent. The P.O. Box. <laughs> to P.O. Box 69420. Care of. Hey. Tristan, I just now, we've been doing this for almost 25 minutes, plus the time before we started recording. I just realized what your thing is, Hypula. I, mm-hmm. I thought it was ULA, and I did not know what it stood for. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I am here. I am wearing my big fancy coat. I am sitting in my big fancy chair, and I have a glass of a very nice red wine in my hand. I will not shatter the glass after saying, have at you, because the glass is actually kind of expensive and I don't want to clean it up and the wine is really good. For anyone who's curious, I have a glass of Matanzas Creek 2013 Merlot. If you can find it in your area and can stomach red wine, I highly recommend it. We are not sponsored. Well, so you've been drinking wine and wearing a nice coat in celebration of our title our title show, Castlevania. Yeah. So why don't Castlevania. we? Why don't we use Castlevania? Why don't we use this as an opportunity? My uncle Castlevania. Castlevania. Why don't we start talking Vampire about cats. Castle Castlevania? Yeah. All right. Cool. So Castlevania is a Netflix exclusive animated series. Um. That YouTube would put under the kids section because YouTube is stupid. Okay. Kids love What's vampires. Castlevania about? <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't a um, soapbox for your YouTube comments, Tristan. This is about YouTube. <laughs> uh, so, the Castlevania Netflix series 
predominantly follows the characters and has the most in common with Castlevania 3, of all things. Um, Sypha, uh, Alucard, and Trevor Belmont, who are our main three, uh, all make their first appearances, I believe, in Castlevania 3. And have, like, like designs and stuff are lifted from the game or from uh, related like manga tie-ins, especially for some of the other characters. Uh, but this all starts um, with a woman who marches up to Dracula's castle, bangs on the door, demands to be let in, and then goes, no, you're going to teach me how to be a doctor so I can make life better for people. Now... Tristan or anybody, do we, do we know why they chose three as the setting for the, the show versus one, two, or any of the other myriad of Castlevania games? Yeah, uh, that's a big question I have about as well. Like, I've never, I only played like one Castlevania game. I forget which one it was with, uh, it was when I was over at Sam Ross, friend of the cast's house, one of our three listeners and only listener who doesn't live in Ypsilanti, Michigan. Thank you That's very right. Much. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I don't know if 3 is considered, like, a seminal part of the lore or one of the better games or whether Not? it's just something with, like, uh, additional characters. Yeah. So my understanding is that 3 is not very big here in the West. Um, I, I think it's because of how it got released in terms of, like, console generations and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, but... The big, the big problem is that 1 and 2, there's only really one character. And then Dracula. 3 introduces a new Belmont. It introduces Alucard, Dracula's son. And it introduces Sypha, the, the sage and the spellcaster. So 3 actually gives you more people to work with. Like, more characters and interactions and stuff. Which, and let's be honest, uh, this is where Net the Netflix Castlevania series shines. Is in its banter. And, like, the interworkings of these different characters. Also, Alucard is voiced by James Callis. Which is fantastic. For anyone who's like, who? Why is that fantastic? Uh, he was Gaius Baltar. In the Battlestar Galactica. Yes, okay. Oh, gee, that's who the is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That that's makes awesome. a lot of so sense every, now. <laughs> so I, every time I hear Alucard speak, I hear, oh, it's Gaius Baltar, only not super panicky. Oh, and also in terms of great. Oh, sorry. Uh, did you want to say something? Uh, I, I was just going to say that. Um, when I was look when I was doing some pre-show research because I haven't watched any of these episodes, I immediately looked at the castle. Was like Baltar, <laughs> it's you. Well, well, uh, gosh, that was a good show. Um, and of course, uh, I, you well, have the well, lovely Richard Armitage's Trevor. Yes, yes, you 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 beat me to that it, beautiful, uh, Richard Armitage. Beautiful man. So Richard Armitage, in, in addition to being you know Thor and Oakenshield and way too good for the fucking Hobbit movies. Um, if y'all haven't seen this treat of a series, and actually, I think I'm going to see if it's on any streaming so I can uh, finish it. Because uh, I, I didn't stop watching. I watched it in the era of DVDs, and then 
stop because I didn't have access to said DVDs anymore. Uh, but the Robin Hood series where he plays um uh, de- where he plays Guy of Gisborne is Ooh. so good. He plays like a really sexy, really evil Guy of Gisborne who just like fucking smolders, and it's great. Um, gonna get the I can exact totally name of it. To that. Oh no! Seriously, you. You're going to have a whole new like uh, plot line in your in, in your head when you when you see this. Uh, uh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be intense. Uh, you you will you may want to invest in uh, certain clothing items by the time once the once the once the corona is over. Oh wait, you can just order them online. Um, <laughs> television. I'm a bad man. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> well, while while uh, you're. Robin Hood. Look- it's just called Robin Hood, and it's the BBC 2006 BBC series. So okay. the 2006 BBC Robin Hood series. Also, the Maid Marian person who plays Maid Marian is fine as heck. Yeah, you would highly recommend. Nice. Yeah. Um, well, while you're while you're ordering the the series um, on on the interwebs, um, Ali, I know you and Barra had talked a little bit earlier before we really started in the podcast in full about Tristan mentioned that the banter is really good between the characters. And I'm guessing a lot of it has to do with the writing of Warren Ellis. Yeah. Start taking me through like his impact on this and other series or. I think the thing that I, you go first. No, no, I want you to go first because I'll, when I start about Warren Ellis, he will be at my table um, on my, uh, it's uh, of, of five people. I wish to, who I haven't met, who I want to have dinner with, um, (laughs) it'll be a thing. Um, I mean, the thing that I really like about Warren Ellis's writing is his characters. Like, he gives everybody, even, like, the smallest characters, so much depth in the way that they speak. And honestly, I feel like he would have a lot of input on their movement, too. Something tells me that he... I mean, also credit to the amazing animation studio that makes this series. They have another uh, show on Netflix that came out, I think, in the uh, the summer or the fall. And I watched it just because I loved their work on Castlevania so much. But um, I will say, I will say, I feel like they could use more of a budget. <laughs> yeah. Um, Is I, that being facetious? I... Is that be no? Have a... Um, I do feel like. Uh, the biggest thing, in my opinion, that the Netflix Castlevania series could use as an improvement uh, would be, if anything, improved keyframing and in-betweens, especially during some of the action scenes when, like, you can see certain, like, like you can see the frame rate kind of drop in those. And the action is good. The action is great. The choreography, the line art is like amazing but dear god netflix give them more money so they can hire more animators because it could be so much butter smoother and then it would just be like oh yeah i i agree with tristan especially because there were some bits in this season as well that i was like hmm like i feel like it was smoother last season, and then there were a couple spots where they had really weird CG animation that didn't quite yeah. fit. It, it, yeah, that looked a little weird. I'm like, there, Trevor is just being, like, splined across in this scene. 
It's a little weird. Um, so yeah, Netflix, if you're listening, give them more money so they can hire more animators. Because it'll only make things better. Yeah. Well, do you think do you think they'll do the normal Netflix thing where they let it run for three seasons, then cancel it? God, I fucking hope not. I hope not, because season three is a real in-between season. Got it. So, I actually... So, um, I'll... I have some thoughts about three. I actually, in some ways, think it is... On the one hand, it's a weaker season. On the other hand, it is potentially... There's, it may even, in some ways, be the strong guest season. Uh, but that may also be, like, because it's getting closer to what I like from Warren Ellis. Uh, so let me buy just, like, Warren Ellis, I'm a huge fan of. And the main reason is is that uh, he's written some, ama- some of my favorite comic book series. Um, <laughs> there's this crime series called Fell. It is only nine issues. And I have been waiting for the 10th issue since college. <laughs> But it's so good. It is awesome, beautiful crime fiction and with a really compelling detective in this weird kind of like basically exiled to this awful kind of a culty version of Newark. Uh, and it's great. Uh, it's also drawn by Ben Templesmith. He of like 30 Days of Night. And it, it's it's just beautiful. Uh, but he also wrote uh, Transmetropolitan, which is basically Hunter S. Thompson in the future uh who basically who ends up fighting against a totalitarian government and it's as as this crazy gonzo journalist who is a vulgar bastard but you realize that he actually fucking cares about people and this is the way that he's been able to make a difference in this kind of awful and fucked up world that he lives in um, that's that's the thing i i, I want to speak on that too vera is like yes. that i really like about his fiction is even when things get really dark and desperate you always feel like there's at least a little bit of like okay there is some good here you just have to work really fucking hard for it yeah and that's what so there's a number of greats that came out of the 1980s in british comics um your alan moore your grant morrison your mark millar well mark millar's a little later but he's still blah um the garth ennis who wrote preacher and Warren Ellis, and what I like, and all of them have different votes. Moore's kind of in his own league, I mean, just because Watchmen is such a seminal work, and also because he's, you know, he's basically a myth. He is a self-described mystic in many ways. Like, he's working on a different kind of level, and it's harder to judge him he's against his peers. He's kind of a weird guy. He is, and that's he's no shame. He's kind of a weird guy. But it's, um, but it's different, but it means that his, his work is sometimes, it, it's, a, it's a different kind of fiction, but. It's atypical. Very his atypical. His work is atypical because he's a weird guy. Yeah. Like he um, has a perspective that is definitely unique. And the thing about, uh, about Warren Ellis is, is that like, you know, your Garth Ennis or your Grant Morrison's and such, you know, there is a lot of vulgarity. There is a lot of darkness in it, but he has this fierce humanistic core that burns through yeah. in a lot of his fiction. Like Transmet has such beautiful humanism in it. So does um, so does uh, Fell, and so does Planetary, which is essentially his deconstruction of uh, the superhero genre, but basically from the perspective that weird and strange is beautiful and it is worth fighting for. Um, and that's the thing is like when you go through a Ward Ellis story, 
when it is start to finish. It is basically off a dead. It is weird. It is dark. It is bad. But as Ali says, at the core of it, it's like good things can happen. Solidarity and humanism can can, can actually triumph, but we have to work really fucking hard for it. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, if you look at any of his work, like, considering that he also does a lot of work with humanism, like, it's it's there. And it's even in stuff like Castlevania, which I find amazing, especially in, you know, here's here's the part where I get weepy about Alucard. I see it in right. all of them, especially in Alucard. Let's, let's also never forget that Alucard had more of a childhood than Trevor did. Yeah, no. And his dad uh, was fucking Dracula. <laughs> no, and oh. and I guess, and so for me with uh, with Castlevania, um, I think there's been two things that have been kind of about in terms of my thoughts. But one, I think even with, I think there's a number of really beautiful animations and stuff that are in there. Um, the characters are pretty excellent. Um, like I, I honestly would have preferred a bit more more like development in Trevor, to be frank, but uh Sypha is gold and Vestral and it uh, beyond Vestral, she's Sypha just the best is character. Best human. Best human, Sypha exactly. Is best human. <laughs> she is the best human. Really clear. Alucard, um, I think, is going to become the central part of this. His whole characterization of Dracula is interesting. The Forge Masters are honestly some of the most fleshed out characters. Uh so the the, so and in the, the banter work, I mean, the one thing I'll say is is that some there you definitely see, especially with the really vulgar jokes, like oh, this is a word Ellicism, and sometimes it lands in this format, I think, less effectively than with some of his other stuff. But I think it's less that we're hearing it spoken aloud and more. I didn't really feel like until season three, we Warren Ellis was really getting to tell his own story. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, in uh, 1 well, and 2, I think, seasons 1 and 2, I think he was still being, okay, I still am kind of within the confines of Castlevania 3 to some degree. And then in 4, even though there's a lot of stuff that's a bit of a mess about 4, you're also kind of getting that he is setting up his own story and getting to tell his, getting with his own right. ideas like horror and characters and development. And... This is why I really hope we get a four, because what I'm really hoping is is that at the moment, it's like there's, I'm a little mad on it, but I am definitely interested in seeing more of it. And my hope is is that as it becomes more of Warren Ellis's story, we're going to get a stronger central thesis, which is, I think, the biggest right. thing. I don't think this series really has a strong central thesis at the moment, and I think it can possibly get. Uh, anyways, that's my thought. What do other people so, so, seasons one and two are very, very specifically about sort of Castlevania three and right. the story told therein. In terms of Castlevania, I believe the next step after three in the timeline is Symphony of the Night. And Symphony of the Night is very much Alucard's story. Well, I think uh, that's definitely where we're going to see season four going, considering right. everything that's happened to him. Right, and I think I think we're going to be seeing his progression to, like, like getting to that point. Um, and that's not to say like season one and seasons one and two also have some fantastic moments, like like not to not to dump on seasons one and two. Like I think my favorite moment in the entire season series is in season two, and it's. Um, like right at the beginning when 
uh, Trevor and Alucard are being super catty at each other. <laughs> and Sif was like, all right, I'm going to go try and find some food. Try not to kill each other while I'm gone. And they both turn to her and go, please, we're not children. She's, she gives them a look like, sure, and walks off. And then like five seconds later, uh, Trevor turns to Alucard and goes, eat shit and die. <laughs> Yeah, eat shit and die, and I think Alucard's response is, fuck you. Yes, fuck you. No, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Like, like, it's it's really the interplay between these characters that is fantastic. And season three is definitely missing that, because at no point are our three main characters together. And it Uh, killed me inside. And it killed Alucard. Dude's talking to dolls, and it's only been a month. He thinks. <laughs> well, we're not far that behind was... being uh, locked yeah. into our apartments. I was going to say, considering the fact that he, like, grew up basically, like, just with his parents, and then was locked in a crypt for God knows how long, and then finally made friends, and his friends went to go off to adventures, year. he is sad and lonely. He was only in that coffin for a year. That's still a long time. It's still, it's still a while. Um, but it's like you're watching, and he's like, he's like doing his uh, Sypha and Trevor impersonations. It's like, oh, haha, okay, he's kind of losing his mind. How long has it been? He's like, and then he says, it's only been a month. You're just like, oh shit, <laughs> he is not taking this well. No, and it's like, also on top of the fact that like just about maybe a month ago he killed his own, like he killed his own dad with their help. Yeah. And he's still, you know, that's something that he never really recovers from. Until his dad comes back in Symphony of the Night and he has to go kill him again. (laughs) Spoilers. Spoilers. Dracula keeps coming back. I was going to say, it sounds like they go pretty far away from just the typical plotline of these games, or at least in the case of Castlevania 3, where it's just like, Dracula is ravaging Europe and you have to go kill Dracula. <laughs> well, alright, we should actually give a bit more storyline context for some of this. Um, at least from the Castlevania series. So like I said, so this all starts with a woman knocking on Dracula's door and being like, teach me science and medicine. And he's like, sure, okay. Why not? I don't have anything better to do. Um, and of course they end up getting together. They have Alucard. Uh, I, I especially appreciate, so at the end of season two, um, there's a family portrait of her holding baby Alucard, Lisa holding baby Alucard and, and Vlad. And she has, and she is drawn with this, like, super superior smug on it on her face. It's just like, yeah, I fucked Dracula. Yeah, yeah. I fucked Dracula, bitch, what of yeah, it? Yeah, I fucked Dracula. I like, fucked a vampire. It? Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, I saw that, I'm just like, yeah, yep. Um, I mean, she's living the dream. Right? Well, up until... Who among us wouldn't fuck in. a Dracula? <laughs> Oh, oh, we haven't gone to Lenore yet. And we're going to have to talk about Lenore. Um, but it, everything's going great. And she's like, hey, you know, you should, 
you know, Alucard's grown up now. You should wander the earth, you know, and get a new perspective on humanity. Right? Right? And he's like, fine. I'll go walk around a bit. And while he is away, the church comes in, uh, brands her as a witch, and burns her at the stake. Those poor fucking <clears throat> bastards. At which point, Dracula finds out, gives them a year uh, before he just is like, I'll give you guys a year before I wipe humanity off the face of the planet. Uh, Alucard shows up and is like, Dad, you can't wipe humanity off the face of the planet. And he's like, bitch, I'm going to do what I want. And smacks around Alucard a whole bunch, so Alucard has to go and retreat and stay in his coffin for a year. And then a year passes, and, uh, and Dracula wages war against humanity. Enter Trevor, the last of the Belmonts! <laughs> whom, whom Dracula immediately recognizes because... Trevor's first response is to try punching him in the face. In one of the best moments of, of that of that end of season two, just like he doesn't have his whip, he doesn't have his sword, so he just runs up, and Dracula's like seven and a half feet tall. Seven so he's just and punching a half feet up. of daddy. So, so Trevor's just God, like punching no. up at Dracula's face and is not doing anything. And Dracula just looks at him and goes, You must be the Belmont. Because yeah. no one else would be, no other family would be insane enough to try punching me in the face. So I would all, should also say, and we should else talk about um, best human in this Sypha, who is uh, she's a speaker, which is uh, yep. is the concept of a spe of speakers in the Castlevania games, or is this a Warren Ellis invention? Because it strikes me as a Warren Ellis invention. It's a little bit of both. So the character of Sypha in Castlevania Three has the blue robe. Uh, in Castlevania Three, Sypha's a dude. No, but she's revealed like, to be a girl at the end. Right. Uh, but in 3, the the manual for 3 refers to Sypha as a he. Interesting. You just you only find that at the end, then, it, it's a girl. Right. Um, well, at the end of Season 1. Uh, and actually, uh, you actually have to rescue Sypha in Castlevania 3 by defeating the Cyclops, who has turned Sypha to stone. Huh. That is a boss fight and a character, like, unlock in the series straight from the game uh ditto alucard actually uh if i remember correctly in three you actually have to fight alucard as trevor before he joins your team interesting um but cypher in castlevania three 
is oh, what's, hold on I actually had it up here I make sure get this vamping 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 for Tristan while he does his homework vamping is meta vamping is meta in this episode so if you had to pick a Dracula to kiss Dan which Dracula would you kiss what (laughs) why are we suddenly looting Dracula what have I missed Barra people have been looting vampires for five ever and and we know he fucks and we know Dracula books Right. I mean, Alucard is right there. So, again, answer my question. If you had to kiss a vampire, what vampire would you kiss? Uh, the Are we talking about in the show? I'm talking about we talking any about vampire. All, oh, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> no, no, I mean, thinking... It's bad that I'm even considering Drusilla from Buffy, isn't it? It's terrible. No, it's not bad. You're not the only one. (laughs) (laughs) She is like a a terrifying villain, but but It's a good answer. (laughs) I didn't say you had to fall into a long-lasting romantic relationship with her. I just said kiss. (laughs) Okay. That's a pretty good Dracula to kiss. Um, Successful... Everyone, Although, successful vamping. Successful vamping. <laughs> All right. So in a weird translation, the English version of the Castlevania Three booklet refers to Sypha as a mystic warlord. Uh, later things, and it refers to Sypha as a he, um, but later things refer to Sypha as a she and uses the term witch. So the whole speaker thing then is is Warren Ellis's uh, basically interpretation of, of of this blue robed woman, uh, right? Which is interesting uh, as the speakers are not. By the way, there's nothing in history about them. Um, they're 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 essentially a Warren Ellis invention, but they're very Warren Ellisy. They're this group of wandering people who try to collect oral tradition. And they're essential, and they're called, and they consider themselves to be cheerfully the enemies of God. They're 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 very clearly not uh, serving or into demons or evil. But because God split up the languages in the ta- after the Tower of Babel, the Seekers try to thwart His will by collecting stories and collecting knowledge. So again, super Warren Ellisy, uh, like good and- people who are specifically trying well- to thwart the Almighty. Right, uh, and to be fair, the church is very much the villain in Castlevania. <laughs> oh no, no, but like, but they yeah. say where that like she Stefan doesn't say cheerfully. Oh, the speakers are the enemies of the church. It's like the speakers are the enemies of capital G God. God. Um, but specifically, See, God God break us up. What's it? What What did you say, Allie? Oh, uh, just Sypha's wonderful quote of "See, God hates me." Yeah, no. I'm, she's her very little cheerful. happy moment. Her little happy moment. Yeah, because like I the speakers the themselves are like a very religious group. Like they worship God. It's just they do things he doesn't like. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's uh. And so, Sypha is a member of these people who goes down to try to find this sleeping soldier to help people in the time of need. She gets turned to stone, and then Trevor rescues her, and the two of them. 
Did you step <laughs> on me? A little. She has the cutest accent and the cutest red hair, and yeah, my gosh. Oh, perfect. Um, <laughs> I am I'm a bad man, and I'm, I'm sorry. Well, it's quarantine is already making me go crazy. Uh, but in any case, they rescue Alucard after beating back a church pogrom and then a, a large demon attack together, and then the three of them go to try to kill Dracula. Um, she's a powerful magician. Uh, she oh, can yeah. shoot fire and later on ice and then lightning. She's the avatar. She uses... She's basically the avatar. Yeah. She's like she's like Korra if like Korra was had less baggage. She's like, like Korra... I'm half expecting Sypha to do like earth magic next season. Oh, and then go into avatar state? Yes. Yeah. So uh, in So in Castlevania 3, Sypha can use both ice, fire, and thunder magic in the game. Oh, cool. Yeah, so those are those a bit powers of hers are just straight up. These are things the character can do in the game. Uh, Trevor has throwing knives and throwing axes. Classic Castlevania sub weapons. So what's interesting, but then in, in terms of the air stuff with Sypha though, is is that as it goes on, like she, Alucard, and Trevor form a trio. They take her on Dracula, and then in in season three. She and Trevor are going to in are basically on the road hunting monsters while Alucard is alone and brooding in the castle of his dead father, also which is near the Belmont Hold, which is full of all this old magic and stuff. Uh, yep. But Sypha is there's more vampires to slay. Right, Sypha is also, uh, however, like really uh, ends up like getting into a relationship with Trevor. And one of the things mm -hmm. that I actually that and it's not that I oppose that it's actually romantic sap that I am. It is a bit frustrating that like they get together and they're also sleeping together, but you never actually see them kiss. And it's just like I would like the romantic kiss. Also, it's weird that like there are two fairly explicit <laughs> sex scenes in Castlevania, and both of them involve uh, violent betrayal. betrayal. And sort in the of. meantime, you don't get to see any kind of, like, tender, silly, or hot sex scene between our two leads who are in a very healthy relationship with each other. Like, it's, oh my like, God. come on! Just please, oh my, give us oh. the, give us happy people having sex and then nothing bad happen, happening. That's well, what happens most of the time. Trevor, except that, as we all know from Trevor... This beer is better than sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Glare, freeze and, the beer. <laughs> yes, and then Cypher proceeds to uh, freeze the beer and then storm off. And at this point, you don't know that they're having sex. Um, like, there's it, been implied it's stuff. It's implied. It's implied, but, like, when she's storming off, it's just like, oh, oh, wait, no, oh, they're... Oh, yeah. you're talking about the cold feet... Oh yeah, no, that's, that's I mean, there are, yeah, I was gonna say there are definitely moments before where they're like really hinting at it and then that's just like, oh yeah. yeah <laughs> they fucking Yep. <laughs> Clearly Trevor fuck. <sighs> uh who also, wants to talk about the Forge Masters? Uh because I think so, that they Isaac is just living his best life and I am here for it. Yeah. Like Isaac like that dude is like you know, he, he's got his eccentricities. You know, that's a whole self-flagellation thing. Which he drops by season three. 
Because I don't think he needs it anymore. No, I mean, he basically at one point is like, wait, why am I doing the things I'm doing? I think I stopped... I think he has a line along along the lines of like, I think I stopped talking to God a long time ago or something like that. Yeah. But then he, but then he goes back to talking to God. It's just not through that way. I think it yeah. was... I think he says he's talking again when he gets off the boat in Genoa. Yeah. yeah. And poor Hector. Yeah, poor, poor fucking Hector. Hector. Poor fucking well, Hector. Goes, I, so I actually went and rewatched seasons one and two leading up to this. And that was just, that made me just realize, oh, right. Oh, God, poor Hector. Because in seasons one and two, like, mm. Isaac is talking like to Dracula about Hector. And he's like, Hector is a kid who never grew up. He's still, like, like in his mind, he is still a kid in a shed in the woods with his little undead pets. Yep. And that's how he sees the world. And I, and I was rewatching it, and I'm like, oh, 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 that makes the end of season three so much worse. Oh, because I had forgotten about that part of him. Oh, the, oh, poor Hector. I mean, so who's the uh, we've so who's the character that you like either like the most or um, relate to the most or both? Hmm. I mean, I think it's pretty clear, at least for most of us, we like Sypha the most. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, it's a toss-up between Sypha and Alucard for me, with Trevor in a really, really, really close second. Yeah. Well, because Alucard has an unfortunate moment in season three. What's like, that? Uh, um, so throughout season three, uh, these two Japanese people? Yeah, they're yes, from they're Japan. Japanese. Yeah, they're from Japan. Also, I think people they're online have be... been saying they're brother and sister, but I, I don't think they are. Nothing in the show ever confirmed that. I thought they right, said brother and are. sister. Oh, really? Oh, maybe not. Maybe I'm misremembering I, then. Either way, they show up and are like, hey, can you teach us how to fight vampires? And Alucard's like, yay! People! Friends! They can be my friends! I've got so much cool stuff I can show them! I think they're uh, also supposed Taka. to be... Co- I think they're also be supposed to be coded as Anu people, um, or at least some type on that, simply because of, like, the, the grass... Uh, because of the skin tone, and, like, one of them has a grass cape, similar mm, to the, makes sense. I can the see guy that. in Princess Mononoke. Okay. They also say that this castle is far in the north of Japan as well. Um, right. Uh, and I will be honest, they kind of weirded me out. Like, I got a weird vibe from them, starting from, like, the second episode they were in. Like, the show goes out of its way to show them, apart from Alucard, having discussions. And there are certain things that they are, like, really excited about. Like, so you can use this to kill vampires, right? You could also use this to kill, like, lots of people, right? Yeah. It's like, ooh. There's something, like, not yes. quite right about them, which, like, to be yeah. fair, they were, like, raised pretty much all their childhood and into their adult life in the court of a vampire where they could die at any moment's notice and watch people right. be murdered for sport. Right, so you're willing to cut them some slack, but there's still an off vibe about them. Alucard's so, you know, just Alucard's too blinded like, by loneliness to realize it. Right, to see the warning signs. 
Speaking of um, speaking of vibes, if if you're somebody like me who's like doesn't really know much about it, but is a gamer or something like that, who's played some Castlevanias and are looking to get into this series, I always I, I thought from some of the screenshots and synopsis that maybe it's a little <clears> bit more <throat> serious. But the vibe I'm getting from the conversation is pretty lighthearted. Like what what would you say is the tone of the of the series? Oh, it will flip back and forth between lighthearted banter and. Wow, look at all these innocent people dying horribly. Yeah, it's like if if you've tried to combine purple prose with slapstick. Uh, okay. mm-hmm. It's there are fountains of blood everywhere and kids die. Uh, oh it's yeah. Also, like all the stuff with the um, what's it called, really the like weird the portal thing. That is a thing from the games. Yeah. yeah. It's not something really Warren like- Ellis came up with. It like gets weirdly Lovecraft at the same time. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. I really liked the judge. <clears throat> that was such an unfortunate reveal. I yeah. the, th- the the judge thing to me would have worked. Uh, so I liked that twist, except I feel like that I just wish the season had been built around that more. Like because well, I, you're, I like uh, the first twist. I like the I like the first twist. I like the twist of his trap at the tree. Like, that he had a way of dealing with troublemakers and stuff like that. It was the second twist. Where it's like, oh, he's, like, directly responsible for the murder of a lot of kids. Yep. Well, that's I mean, the he, thing. He, like, he says something along the lines of, we all find our own little pleasures in life or something yeah, like, like that. Oh. No, and, like, it, it, and the thing is, is that that, that, that kind of nasty, that, that kind of, like, darkness and nastiness is, um definitely a good award elsewhere and i thought that i think that the what the thing was is that i just wish that that season had been built more around that per se because you were it, it wasn't that the placement wasn't there it's just that the big threat for the entire season was these monks who are working who have suddenly turned to this night creature and are trying to bring back dracula and the judge is helping you try to uh, is helping the Sypha and Trevor figure out what's going on. He gives them resources. In the end, he stops them. And then you find out that in a di- and then you find out that the judge was also a child murderer at the very end. And yeah. I just I, I wish that the way things had gone is is that like I felt that that would have like landed with more impact if it had it landed after the judge helps them like you know. Uh, save the world. It's not that that redeems him or anything. It's more just like I want to focus more on that particular horror um, and mm-hmm. what. It, and I would prefer that that was like the big kind of like the the, the, the big awful in that in yeah. in that uh, in that ending. Uh, if that makes sense. Um, anyways, anyways, we we've gone off on a super tangent. Um, I was just trying to say. So the the really bad moment for Alucard in this. Oh yeah, place. right. We're getting back to this. <laughs> Yeah, um, that these two, these two visitors uh, seduce him. We'll basically ambush him in his bed for sexy times, and then oh, surprise! You haven't been showing us everything, so we're going to basically lock you down and explore the castle and take everything ourselves. Alucard's like, I didn't show you the whole castle. Did you want me to show you like every bathroom? Did you really need to see, like, my nursery that I had as a kid? Or the really big chair my dad sat in? Um, and uses his old magic sword to slit their throats. And then stakes them. 
outside, just like your old dad did. Yep. That was the, like, oh, 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 Alucard, buddy, your dad is showing. I that's, think there's a that's chance. That's a little much, pal. I think there's a chance that Dracula doesn't return. I think there's a chance that that is showing that, like, the big bad for the or in the end game of the season is going to be actually Alucard. Um, I know that's a really sad thought in many ways, but especially that that last bit, and also from the bit where you see Dracula in yes. hell with his wife, and he doesn't yes, seem eager to... to leave. I think that's. Oh no! Indi- I was going to get to that. Oh, I was going to get to that. Like the whole thing is like these monks and this night creature. Like no, no, we're going to open a portal to hell, and we're going to drag Dracula back, and we got to stop him. And, and you know. And I'm just like, it shows him, it's like, dude is finally together with his wife. Yes, they're in hell, but at least they're together again. I mean, that's all he wanted in the end was to that's be with her. Like, he it's it's like Godbrand had said in season two, like, it's just a long, slow suicide. Right. Like, right. He won't be happy with you if you bring him back and not her too. And yeah, and the, and, and he because won't show of, up and be super thankful. And see, that's why I think that like if there's going to be more Castlevania, the the one of the people that we'll end up seeing fighting in the end is going to be actual Alucard. Although the bigger threat right now in terms of like immediate world threat is actually this character uh, Carmela, which is she in the games at all? Yes. Interesting. She is in several of the games. So, what's her deal in the game? Because in the show, she's like this vampire who shows up on Dracula's war council and schemes against him, and she turns one of his forge masters, Trevor, against uh, against his... Because Dracula wants to, after his wife is killed, he gets the vampires together and says, hey, we're going to conquer the humans, but his real plan is to kill all the humans. Uh, because and then all the vampires. Well, yeah, I think that's, or I think that maybe I'm they're going to start. Yes, uh, yeah. and Carmela just wants to wants to basically do a traditional vampire empire where she's in charge. Uh, and right. then in three, once this her whole plan with uh, deposing Dracula falls apart, she still has a she wa- she and her three sisters also have a plan to create an empire, and uh, they yeah. are metaphorical sisters. Uh, one of which. Uh, Gives Bo gives Trevor the Forge Master she's turned. Oh, sorry, Hector. Hector. The for, uh, yeah. right. She gives Hector the Forge Master she's turned a great time, and then proceeds to turn him into her slave. Uh, her pet. Her pet. Yes. Her pet. Uh-huh. Very specifically, pet. Right. Because because remember, that's how that's how Hector sees the world. In terms of animals and pets. Which makes him becoming her pet all the more terrible. Now, that being said... We gotta talk about Lenore, because... Damn. Um, Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about Lenore. I ain't about that sub-life, but... Damn, girl. She Nope, agreed is, on both counts. She is <laughs> probably the most dangerous 
of all four of those vampiresses. I'm not necessarily Carmilla, sure if I go that far. Like Carmilla she plays is the schemer. Yeah. Carmilla is the schemer. She's the one who comes up with these wacky ideas. Right? The other two are the military leader mm-hmm. who enacts those plans. And the other one is the uh, the quartermaster. You know, the one who figures out the supply lines, who organizes everything and makes it all happen. But Lenore, Lenore is the knife in the back you don't see coming. She is the she's the cute, friendly, like diplomatic one who will stab you in the back and you will not like like you may be dealing with the other three. You can wage armies against them, but she's the one who's going to stab you in your weak point at just the right time. So, um, would you all, I'm guessing I'm hearing from the conversation that, uh, you would all recommend watching the show? Oh yeah, definitely. Oh yeah. I mean, like, I think for me <laughs> two is probably my favorite. One is good. The pacing is just a little weird because I think from what I remember, they it's wanted it to be a movie originally and then yeah. they chopped it up into like a four episode miniseries and each episode's like an hour or something, 40 minutes. So the pacing's yeah. a little off for mm-hmm. one, it's but it's good setup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I um, would also, yeah, go on. Oh, um, one big thing I will say, uh, season three, they really upped the amount of Easter eggs in season three. Seasons one and two had a lot of Easter eggs and references to stuff in the games. Uh, three, so there are two, there are two Easter eggs that stick out in my mind. Um, the first one is, uh, I believe it's in the it's in the Belmont Hold in the Belmont Estate. In one of the scenes, you can see a whole array of weapons on the wall. Next time you watch, pause and look really closely at some of those weapons. Uh, Dante's sword, Rebellion. A.K.A. Dante from Devil May Cry, his sword is up on that wall. Wow. I saw that, and it made me so happy, because I love that series. Um, so, yeah. Oh, before... yeah, the big one. Oh, the big one. The big one I want to talk about. Um, so, Isaac, his whole storyline through season three... Right, yeah. Sort we of should talk about Isaac. Finding himself. <clears throat> his whole storyline is basically like finding himself... And coming up with a cause for himself and making his way back after Dracula saved him. He's pretty much of the mindset of, like, I don't deserve this. Like, his whole thing at the end of season two is, like, look, if Dracula's plan is to kill literally everybody, I'm fine with dying. Yeah. I don't give a shit. And Dracula's like, no, you get to live. (laughs) Yeet. So... Um, the, the interesting thing that I think about the whole Forge Master concept is is that uh, the with um, with Isaac and Hector is is that there's this idea that only humans can create these things called night creatures. So far, there's only two types of am- of monsters. Where one are the vampires, and who are just kind of operate like we've seen. But the other are these things called night creatures, which are basically monsters. They have all different creative looking monsters, but they're not like 
created by curses or or like just like you know normal magic they're literally created by a forge master um taking a soul from hell and putting it into a dead body and then the dead body mutates into a crazy monster thing yep uh and that only is, humans can do it only humans can do it and there's two forge masters there's hector who betrays dracula because he carmella gets on into his head and he likes the idea of not he doesn't like the idea of exterminating all the humans he wants it to be like an orderly call where humans would be kept as animals um, and and to be fair to hector Carmilla gets to him as through the way of there is a better way we could be helping Dracula. Right, right. Um, and because he's like a it's, child, it's, he's bad at he's pretty easily manipulated. Right. So uh, he's still loyal to Dracula. But but Carmilla gets to him via the idea of look, right now it's just chaos, right? You don't want this to be cruel or unnecessarily violent, this purge. But right now, it's just it's just madness. Right? Like, if we have a plan, we can facilitate this plan, we can do this cleanly and efficiently, and we can help him, Dracula, better doing this. So, Isaac's... Um, yeah. And, and, and Isaac's Isaac story... Is, oh, go Isaac on. is definitely more... Humanity's gotta go. The whole damn species is toxic. And when the time comes... I am okay with biting the dust with the rest of the human race. I feel like his storyline in season three is definitely more about finding kind of his own worth and finding his own path. Along the way, so... Alucard, uh, so, no, sorry, Dracula yeets him through the mirror into the desert at the end of season two before he dies. And Isaac is trying to make his way back to Wallachia th this whole time. And he runs into a whole bunch of different people and cities, like that city with all the people and the big ball of people and like that whole bit. The big uh, my weird favorite ball Easter of people. Egg. The big ball of people. Um, my favorite Easter egg in all of Castlevania, however, is when he goes to the curio shop to talk to the guy who has a seeing mirror. And the guy gives him the mirror as a gift. Like, which, to be fair, is kind of like, you know, saving his own skin in regards to the guy who has a whole army of night creatures on him. Um, but my favorite Easter egg is, so when Isaac walks into the shop, the shopkeeper is holding a mask. That mask looks exactly like the stone mask from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure that turns Dio into a vampire. <laughs> I actually, I looked it up and that mask is in the game. Yes, it is. Because it's a reference to JoJo's. It's really Because good. everything is a JoJo's reference. Well, whether this... <laughs> uh, uh, whether whether or not everything is a JoJo's reference, uh, something that is cool about the Forge... Something that's interesting about Isaac is, is that, you know, again, he's someone who is, like, so... His, it, you, you'd think that him being okay with the annihilation of himself and humans is because he's nihilistic. 
but in many ways it's from this perspective of like you know that that basically that that, that human beings are awful and that you know like and i guess it is so uh, like the human beings are awful and that like it's better off if like there's none of us um and because which because they are cool. which they are in the series except for sypha well, I mean, Trevor's fine. He's just a meathead. Um, like, let's let's be real. He's a football he's, with legs. He's a football with legs. He's a, he is the he is the he's world's actually, luckiest. You look up a picture. You look up the definition of himbo in the dictionary, and it's a picture of Trevor. He's the he is the world's <laughs> luckiest slab of beef. Let's be real. The luckiest slab of beef. Uh, but but the, the interesting thing about Simon is is that uh, he after. Uh, after Dracula saves his life, like he's willing to die for Dracula as Trevor and Alucard and Sypha, the, the, the dream team are coming at him. He tosses him into the desert and then he goes on, yeah, this whole the fighting himself and basically raising a night creature army to which first the idea seems to be fulfill Dracula's vision and, and kill all people in the world. But as it goes on, he seems to be kind of softening to that as he meets some people who are not the absolute worst to him. Um, I but, loved all the stuff with him on the uh, on the boat. Yes. Him on the boat, him in the curio shop, him with the old woman. It was all very interesting because you see he's beginning to like just like you see him interacting with people and evaluating his his judgment of the situation. The best and favorite part of what my favorite maybe my what my favorite one of my favorite scenes in Castlevania though is that so the night creatures are basically just monsters. Um, except then he talks to one that can actually, like, speak. And he asks him about what his life was before he went to hell, and it turns out that this guy was an Athenian philosopher when Christianity came, and that oh, he right. was condemned yes. as a heretic. And I forgot about that cool guy! Cool fly guy! I was actually thinking about that earlier, that whole scene earlier it today, Vera. so, yeah, it's, because it's so compelling, because he's talking yeah. about he was condemned as a heretic for basically being a... Uh, a pagan philosopher in the time of Christianity and then Isaac is like I don't think God would condemn someone to hell for like searching for God and he's like I don't think you're telling me the entire story and then he's saying you know when I was brought before people I lied about I lied and then I gave up people and then uh and then and they killed me anyways he said like I became a sinner and then I woke up in hell and he's like, and then I learned to love sin. And then he's like, thank you for giving me this second life. And it's, it's so creepy because you see that, you know, you know because one, it's definite confirmation that the idea of that, that these are really souls from hell. And two, you get these kind of sense of like how someone winds up in this position and what the consciousnesses are in these creatures so that there actually are formerly human consciousnesses. The one other thing before I turn over the rest of you guys, though, and I want to hear your thoughts about that scene too, Allie, is that uh, I thought it was fat. I thought it was kind of a fascinating thing that uh, right. Right. come to me one moment. It'll come to Ali. What did you think about that? I mean, it's. I again, like I said earlier, like Isaac's living his best life this season, and I like he definitely has some low points, and it's this whole 
thing of trying to figure out what his actual deal is. Because he, too, like, has, you know, he has that, like, nihilistic sense of, like, whatever, nothing matters. Like, I just got to keep doing what Dracula asked of me because it's what he wanted. And, like, I think for the first time, probably in Isaac's whole life, we're seeing him make decisions for himself based on his own ideals and not on the ideals of someone else. Like, I'm remembering that scene from season two where we get the flashback where he's reading something and his, like, I don't know if it's, like, his... I mean, it's not his dad, but, like, clearly, like, a father figure for him, like, catches him with his stuff. He and was he's a like, slave. why are you doing this? He's like, because I love Isaac. you, like... Isaac was a slave. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's that's what I thought, but I wasn't quite sure how to... Oh, he was an enslaved servant. Okay. So, oh, there, there, um, another there's a, forge master. Oh, there, there's another thing that um, that that's the thing I was thinking of. Isaac also has a really interesting perspective on the forge mastering thing too, uh, a forge mastery thing too, which is that he said his belief. It's his belief that when he take that he takes souls out of hell and puts them in his night creatures, and that this is then their like penance for for be for for like their sins and such is serving in his army, and he has this belief that one day mm-hmm. hell will be emptied of all souls. So in his mind, when he creates these night creatures, he's not just creating a monster army, he's actually, like, saving souls. Like, and it's almost like he has this universalist view that eventually everybody is redeemed. It's just they're redeemed sometimes by him turning them into... Yeah, they, dead bodies the, their path to redemption <laughs> is really bloody and messy and awful, but because in his mind they're serving a purpose which is good, despite the means, they'll be saved. It's yeah, fine. it's, and, it's and, fine. and I'm curious about that fly scene, whether that, like, whether that, like, makes Sal's doubts in his mind about, like, whether him doing this is covering that purpose because this, I think it will. Yeah, because like think, the fly creature is definitely not acting like someone who is being who is sad. No, he's about not doing acting like work. he's being punished. He's like, this is great. Like I'm I'm back in the land of the living and I And now I get to sin, sin and enjoy it. Like I'm not gonna be punished for sinning. Thanks. Exactly. And Isaac's so, like honestly probably horrified at the idea that like Oh, this good deed that I thought I was doing for these souls? It's not. It's bad. Yeah, it's a a really effective scene. (laughs) So not only is is Isaac living his best life, but so too are all of his night creatures. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, "I, I I love this. I love this bar and everyone in it. Oh, I love being a monster. Uh, and and yeah, and the one thing in terms of like editing and stuff, it was interesting where you in the last episode you basically had all these crazy climactic things, like two sex scenes with betrayal, Isaac fighting with the with the giant ball of zombie humans, uh stuff with the monks in the church. It was it was crazy. Oh, are we going to talk it about... It was nuts. Are we going to talk about the magician guy who showed up? Um, oh, Guy de, guy de Reyes? Yeah. Saint Germain. Saint Germain. Oh, Saint, 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 Saint Germain. Uh, 
I think that's that's supposed to be a legendary like immortal person in in folklore. Uh, he does show up. I know he does show up in later games. He's referenced in other things. Mm. Um, I he was he was interesting. He was definitely kind of the chaotic bard kind of character, like to use D and D terms. Um, but I felt I felt he had a kind of he was a very interesting addition sort of to the cast because he was kind of like he was kind of like this weird mix of Sypha and Trevor you know yeah, he's a magician kinda. but he's he's a magician but he's also you know a trickster and a vagabond well sort of I guess Vagabond's not the right word. Um, I don't a little bit of a scoundrel. Now. Scoundrel, there we go. You know? Not he, quite a nasty like man, but a scoundrel. Yeah. He's this kind of half Sypha, half Trevor. You know? I... I, I mean, I think the talk? thing with him is, like, he, you look at him, and to me, like, if you're thinking of him as, like, a combination of two of our three protagonists, he's what happens when they're alone. Mm-hmm. Like, so much in the end of the season, he talks about just how lonely he is. And I think that's a big theme for this season, is is loneliness. Right. Especially if, Oh, well, and then if you take that into account, then, hey, he's, like, a combination of all three. Actually, yeah. <laughs> now that you put it that yeah. way. Yeah, because Alucard's the loneliest out of all of them at this point. What I... What I find really fascinating about this whole podcast conversation about the show is it's really not about what happens. I mean, we've talked about what happens a little bit, and we've speculated about what's going to happen and things like that, but almost all of the conversation that you've all had is about the characters and the interesting backstories they have and the ways that they interact with one another. I, I find that very interesting. And I'm, um, Are there any other characters that you all wanted to, to chat about? I, I don't... Um... Yeah, what other characters? Have, like the characters are the strongest part of the show. That's for damn sure. Um, well, there's. Uh, I feel really bad that I'm forgetting oh. their names, but there's like Carmilla's whole like vampire councils. There's vampire Leno- ca- there's council. Lenore. So there's. Yeah, Lenore. Who Carmilla. we talked about? Uh, Carmilla. Um, uh, I have forgotten the other two. Striga. 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 Yeah, Striga and uh, Morana. Yeah. Morana. There we go. And Morana and Striga are wives, and it's good. Yep. Yes, it's um, actually a pretty good representative relationship, even though they're equal. I mean, there's very there's clearly, like, and they hint at this a lot in a, the conversation they have where they're like, ah, oh, Carmilla and her schemes. Like, they're clearly, like, you know, pretty fine with this whole idea of, like, oh, yeah, let's just farm the humans for resources, but, like, not quite 100% on board with Carmilla. They definitely have their own agenda and i'm really wondering what that is when we go into season four i mean i think that their agenda is is that essentially they they're kind of the they're kind of like the big responsible ones like one's the military leader and one Mm -hmm. the political leader um whereas is that carmilla is like basically the mad visionary who her harder working sisters 
in many ways make her plans work because she's able to like yeah. get these big picture ideas and get them excited to go along with it. And then, then meanwhile, Lenore is a really good diplomat who's really good at getting under people's skins and manipulating them and using soft power in a way that the others aren't. <clears throat> yeah. Um, th- also, this also reminded me, because we are talking about other characters, uh, he has a very small role, but uh, Godric? Oh, yeah. The vampire viking... Yeah, I like. Um, I'm a Viking. We like boats. We like <laughs> boats. Um, I've taken baths. Uh, the fact that actually Vikings were cleaner people than most of their than their time period. Like apparently, yes, they were. Their regular baths were a reason why the Saxons did not like them. They were afraid it would cause yes, their wives to uh, lust. There was a there was a Saxon. Uh, I remember reading about this. There was like they found some Saxon document that was like, no, no, no. We can't let the Norse in because they are too fabulous. They will steal all of our women. Oh my god! <laughs> um, but no, steal our wives will wander. Like the wives will go to them. There's there's no grabbing. It's like these guys comb their hair and bathe once a week. Right. Um, but the fact that this is a series about vampires and there's a sea. There's a scene in season two where there are all these self-important vampires together and they are talking about running water and whether or not it's dangerous for vampires. And Godric's like, I feel like running water is something that could kill me. And they're like, but you've had baths. Right, I've had baths. But when you have a bath, it's no longer running water. (laughs) And they're having this... They're there's, having this whole discussion in front of Dracula. There's got to be like a modern day equivalent of that of something people argue about whether or not it's good or bad for you. Sandwiches. Sandwiches. Like what constitutes sandwich? What what constitutes a sandwich? Oh yeah, like dumb arguments. Like what is a sandwich? Right. Yeah, that is the that is the vampire equivalent of the sandwich discussion. <laughs> And the fact that it's not an abridged series, it's not a parody, it's actually in there. Again, it's that uh, Warren Ellis goodness coming through. I'm just like, here's all this batshit crazy stuff going on. And also, like, here's people having a stupid fucking argument about the stupidest thing. Yeah. Like, okay, we can turn into bats. We can turn into mist. Sunlight kills us. Uh, Apparently getting staked is bad for you but what about water and carmilla i think it's carmilla even says it's not like we get a manual or anything when we become vampires yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh season two has some of the best moments and i feel like season one would have some too but season one was too short it was four episodes yeah Um, although 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 trevor's could you please stop hitting me in the crotch from that first bar fight? So in terms of what I recommend, um, I think that I would give a medium on this. Like, I wouldn't say don't watch it. I would say you could give it a... I, was, I guess I'd say give it a shot, see what you think. Um, mm-hmm. The characters clearly are worth, worth it, um, but I definitely think in terms of overarching story and... And like message and just like thematics, uh, it hasn't come together yet. Uh, I I have 
a feeling that's especially since like now it's I feel like Warren Ellis is getting more freedom to do it that this may be one of the things where it's just uh, kind of like a great adult swim series I'm looking at you Moral Laurel where like it's or Metalocalypse for that matter which as we said is mm. now streaming it starts out kind of like basically trying to get its legs and establish the rules and then gets epic and amazing and that's what I hope happens for the show because the characters are there to make an epic and amazing thing and uh and a just like in a in a and a stakes change and tension high enough that uh that that could be really interesting and it's weird that i say stakes because you know dracula is literally threatening to destroy the world but for whatever reason i never really felt and maybe other people disagree with me but i never really felt that dracula was like this big threaded stuff i think in many ways because he was this like chronic depressive throughout this as well, mm -hmm. who's kind of doing this as a big suicide. I didn't necessarily yeah. feel like, oh my gosh, if Dracula isn't stopped, everything is going to be over. Like, what he was doing was horrified, and he clearly had to be ended, but um, but yeah, I wasn't really driven towards it. So yeah, I, I guess I would say, like, see if this show is your cup of tea. Um, check if it is. Uh, then definitely then you'll, you'll know mm -hmm. soon enough whether... It's worth it for you to watch along with it, but in terms of like big meaty payoff, uh, it's it's not there yet. And if you're expecting a big meaty payoff, you're probably gonna have to wait to a, till a future season. Well, well, here, so I would say if you are new to this series, in which case, why are you listening to a spoiler cast about it? <laughs> I, um, I well, will I, say I got but, spoiled but still, for still. the two betrayal scenes this season, and honestly, I was really grateful for that. I don't. Yeah. Um, and and I'm and I'm sitting here. I haven't seen it. I'm interested, you know. Right. So I and, and I, it, I, it feels like so, again the the main story beats aren't like really the big deal. Like a lot of these character interactions are what makes it so exciting. So you exactly. can't really spoil that. Yeah. You're gonna go um, with uh, I, what April Wolf says on the Switchblade Sisters podcast. It's not about what happens, but how it happens. Right. Yeah. I would say that don't just watch the first season if you are giving it a shot because the first season does not have a lot of the great character interactions because a lot of the characters aren't all together yet i would say give it halfway between like halfway into season two if by halfway into season two you aren't in love with these characters there you go and there are some good payoff moments like when alucard sypha and trevor are making the assault on the castle and they are in that entry hall you know i i go up cypha goes down the middle we support we support alucard and then and then bloody tears starts playing fucking bloody tears starts playing during this like epic fight scene where they are just attacking all of these vampire generals we've seen like up to this point that moment is awesome that moment got me so hyped. I mean, yeah, I'm the hype one. That's my thing. God, that <laughs> moment was great. No, it was, I mean, it was beautiful. It was absolutely amazing. Like I, I just rewatched that scene, like, every now and then. Just that whole sequence. It's so good. Like, like when Sypha creates the wall of ice, and the vampire's running on top, and then she lifts it up and just cuts it down. Oh, 
Cypher oh, gets so good. I mean, Trevor gets a lot of them too in Alucard, but honestly, Cypher gets some of the gnarliest like death bits just because of how creative she has to be with her magic. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That, Trevor you know, also literally punches a werewolf thing to wolf thing to death. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's great. The man of beef. The, um, the, the man of beef is beefy. He is a Joe Star, <laughs> basically. Yeah, There's basically. a bit in I think it's season three where he like uses the Morning Star to like grapple hook a monster and like twist it around or something and it's just really good oh and then there's the fucking priest who he stuffs in a barrel yeah oh that was gnarly <laughs> yeah. I'm like oh oh he's he's just dead that guy's just dead oh, yeah he's just, he just super yeah dead. did he murder that guy i wasn't i didn't go back did he kill him uh, yeah he's dead that guy's gotta oh, be yeah. dead there's no or at least he broke it. Like, the best version of that is he breaks an unconscious person's leg. Like, holy yeah. shit. Trevor does not fuck around. No. <laughs> uh, uh, so I recommend you give it a try. <laughs> Alrighty. Any other thoughts on Castlevania? I need to see... The three musketeers back together again, happy, mm-hmm. healthy, safe, and prospering, are all be also, sad. Also, uh, we know that Trevor and Sypha have a kid because of the games. I, I think that's Richter, actually. Oh, nice. I think Richter is actually Trevor's son. Hold on. I know that one. Yeah! Any other closing thoughts on the on the series Castlevania? If you like what um, the animation studio like did with it in terms of like its style and movement, I would really recommend their other work that's on Netflix called Seismanos. <laughs> okay. Oh wait, Seis- they did they did Seismanos. Mm-hmm. I've heard mm-hmm. Seismanos is really good. Seismanos is amazing. I, I've heard it's like just like a combination of Tarantino slash Robert Rodriguez slash anime into in into a martial arts epic set in Mexico with like yeah it's like it's yeah it's nineteen it's nineteen seventies Mexico like oh it's Mexico movies. in the it's Mexico in the seventies mm-hmm. oh fuck yeah it's, Gosh. yeah <laughs> it's amazing. That is so fucking cool, Allie. Way, way to way to bury the lead, everyone. My God, <laughs> Mexico, the seventies, mustaches everywhere, justice also, to dispense. Let's you know you fucking too much, go. Like, kung fu bullshit and like whatnot when you recognize the different because uh, it's about these like uh, three like uh, basically like found family siblings growing up learning martial arts, and it's like oh. I know about these because I watched a lot of like kung fu stuff, and then a lot of this stuff was also in Avatar. <laughs> like, hilarious. Also, it's got Danny Trejo. Oh hell yeah! As the main bad oh, guy. Wait, bad guy or dad guy? Because both bad are acceptable. Oh, uh, I do kind of like loving Danny Trejo father though. It's pretty great. He's he's amazing in it. All right. Alright, so no, so Trevor, uh, so Richter is not Trevor's kid. No! Uh, because there's, there's, holy crap, 300 years separating them. That is a lot. Yeah. A lot of show, a lot of show material. 
hundred years pass between Castlevania Three and Symphony of the Night. Um, so I will say another thing is that um, in terms of parting stuff, uh, you know, in term, if you want to like enjoy Warren Ellis at his finest, uh, or if you see the show and like, wow, I really like these characters and this dialogue, um, definitely can't recommend more reading Transmetropolitan or Planetary. Both of those, I mean, he has a number of great work, but those are just like... Say, sem- his, like, body of work is massive. It's massive. He's very much a working man's artist in that he creates great art, but he also creates a lot of it because... You know he's make clearly making a living, um, yeah. but but I mean yeah there's but uh but the cool thing about planetary I mean he's also notorious for taking a long time to finish things but the cool thing about planetary and transmet is is that you get to see his endings and he actually is really good at writing endings which is something I really like <laughs> but yeah there's 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 uh yeah, wait what 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 Warren Ellis thing are you sad hasn't ended yet it's, my friend. It's- well, no, no, it's it's Warren Ellis takes like you know six week hiatus, you know between issues. George R. R. Martin takes like three year hiatus between books. Hey, then I'm over here. I'm over here reading Berserk, Kentaro Miura, seven year hiatus. Hey, hey, for the record, is someone George R. R. Martin has taken a nine year hiatus, but wait for Winds of Winter. Winds of Winter has taken that fucking long. So let's... Right, but he's done other things. He's written little side books. Right. The stuff. problem isn't that Warren Ellis doesn't create stuff. The problem is, is that, like, it's actually been longer for the 10th issue of Fell. That shit came out when I was in my second year of college. Um, just 2007. I couldn't even yeah. legally drink at that time. <laughs> Yikes. Which would have, oh, oh. I'm 32. I had some of the Berserk Berserk novels, some of the Berserk volumes in college, and then I graduated. It was like, man, it's been like four years since the volume has come out, and then I donated like a huge chunk of my library to the Hampshire College Asian Media Group to have their own lending manga library, and I'm like. It's been like four years. There hasn't been another Berserk. I'll just donate what I have. Three years later, Berserk's back! (laughs) Need to rebuy like 40 volumes! (laughs) Rip. (laughs) Mira, stop playing Idolmaster games! (laughs) Wait, he likes Idolmaster? So, Kentaro Miura, so the joke is that um, he was working on Berserk and then got, then discovered the Idolmaster games. And that's what started the seven year hiatus. What are the Idolmaster games? Okay. Uh... So, let me put it this way they are, um, you are the producer for a Japanese idol group. Of lots of adorable girls. Oh gosh, that sounds horrifying. I was just, I was, I was just <laughs> gonna say we don't, we don't have enough time. Nor, nor do I want to dive down this rabbit hole. We don't have time to scar Barra with that. idol culture. Uh, no, no, I, 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 I thought Idol Master was I D L E Master, 
Like, oh, no. I, I, I didn't realize that it was a game no. about Japanese idol culture, which all I know about is that I'm horrified by it. And can we abolish it, Which please? you should be. That is the correct... That, so that is the correct response to have to idol culture. Um, but the joke is that that's what created the seven-year hiatus. Well, yet and another bad thing in the, the world that must be heard. <sighs> all right. Except for... Except for Zombieland Saga, which if you haven't seen, you should watch, because it's hilarious. Isn't that also a giant critique of idol culture? Yes. Yes, it is. And it's really good. Also, Zombieland Saga fuck, said fuck turfs trans rights. Yes. Mm. Yes, it did. There's a trans character in it, and she's really cute. And, and they, really good. And they don't Love treat it. her differently. Love it. No, they she don't treat her like she's weird or anything. She's yeah. literally she's the most of the beloved girls. of the whole group. Yeah, so <laughs> so watch Zombieland Saga in between episodes of Castlevania. Yeah, I guess this is where this is going. Also, if you are uh, if you are isolated for an extended period of time, you know what you should do. You What's should that, Tristan? Our, you should listen to our back episodes. Yeah. We, have set, we have we have seventy two back episodes. Yes, we do. Wow, you watch those. listen. You should listen to those back episodes. They are a hoot. There are some nice. There, there are some definite good ones. That is for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Some no. good eggs up there in that bunch now, don't you know? Yeah. If yeah. If you want an early one, if you guys listening want an early one to go back to, and you want to listen to us losing our minds, the Dragon's Crown episode. To date is, I think, one of my favorite episodes. That's when we were in Ghost House and we were recording, and it was so hot. So I oh think. Oh my god! And yeah, I guess if we're talking about like favorite episodes for people to like get introduced to the cast, um, uh, I will say that it's a, I will say that it's it doesn't get you the full cast experience because there's no Ali or Tris on it, but um, I still think that our uh, Dan and I doing Get Out on the cast is one of my favorite episodes. I think that that, uh, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that that in terms of movie stuff, that that was a really solid breakdown of a really solid. Mm. What about I'm you, Ali? Go ahead and say our uh, episode of covering the Netflix Death Note, where I think <laughs> I like had a fucking aneurysm and died. <laughs> wow. That was- that was that was um one of that was one I was gonna pick actually too the death note yeah. one. That I one. go back and listen to that one every now and then. I'm like Jesus Christ, why did we subject ourselves to this? <laughs> why? <laughs> it's uh, so bad. So uh, again, part, so, I yeah. think part of what makes that one so good though is that almost it, I was thinking about it as we were talking about the recommendation for this is almost every episode of the show it's a good it's a good one and it's a good recommendation. Like, yes, you should play this. Yes, you should watch this. Oh, my God, it's amazing. Let's talk about it. And that episode is not the case. <laughs> no. no, that episode is like, oh, my God, this is hot garbage. Please burn it. I mean, yeah, like another episode that I think is also good for that in terms of like hot torching the hot garbage with uh, with gusto and verve is uh, is the episode we did on Game of Thrones, uh, quite frankly. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed the deep dive that we went into it and just like the sheer love of that series that it had turned to hate. Well, 
You can find all of those episodes and more, all 73 of them, on our site, uh, yeah. spoilermedia.net. Um, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify and Google Play and Stitcher, and you can get the RSS, and basically there's no reason not to. You're locked in your house. Listen to some of the podcasts. It'll get you through. Um, Listen to us talk! It's It'll get you through, like, three full days. Yeah, it's a lot of content. Yeah! And, uh, um, and honestly... I'll get you through like a whole week if you do nothing but listen to us and not do sleep. what I do. Listen, if you okay, if you are like me and unfortunately are basically unemployed trash right now because of what's going on, listen to podcasts while you're li- playing Animal Crossing. Oh, uh, I will also say that uh, definitely, uh, definitely look for new episodes coming up because one of the nice things about isolation is is that. Uh, I think that it definitely makes so we want to work on other our other projects. This is, I think, an important project for all four of us. And uh, yeah, we it's not as if we can like go out to events or do other things. Really, I mean, we all should be like doing this time to work out and read. But uh, but talking to people. What's is a gym? Good. I've never heard of one. <laughs> also, no, there are people literally still going to the gym in my building, and that freaks me out. Uh, for for the record, I oh. I am suggesting working out in your apartment or running outside. Um, I know it's just I walked by there the other day to go to the mailroom, and I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, they're all touching everything, and like nobody wipes down anything anyways in the gym. Oh. So so one thing I will say as as a reporter who's been covering this, um, definitely wash your fucking hands, and but yeah. but. The flip side of washing your hands and avoid touching your face and nose and eyes is is that the main vector of transmission is still person to is still person to person contact. Surface transmission is not particularly a big is not a major vector. So you that's can, good at least. Like you can get like at least that's what the science is saying at the moment. It could change. This is a lot of new stuff, but like the main thing is is that uh you know like and this is why it's also seems to be like safe and stuff to get like takeout or grocery stuff again avoid touching touching a surface that a strange surface and then touching your face and stuff but really the bigger danger is just being close to people like the way mm-hmm. you this human may- interaction yeah, it was well, like, deadly all along i knew it yeah the, the main <laughs> thing is is that you know for is is spray from the is spray from the mouth when you're talking or sneezing uh, that's that's how this this is that, that's the main thing where they know it's spread that little dro- those droplets of water in the air. So if you can avoid that, I will that, say I'm yeah really proud of uh, the kids at work because because I work with small children they're really bad about washing their hands. But like the last couple weeks with everything that's been going on, they've been so good about keeping their hands clean. Sneezing into their elbows, wiping their noses, and then washing their hands, and then telling their friends to also do that. Aww. It's like, um, so if a three-year-old can do that, you can yeah. do that as an adult. It's if so a hard. Some fellows do that. Some fellows don't forget whenever you sneeze to dab. <laughs> yeah, dab. D A B. Destroy all bacteria. Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> sneeze into your dab. Destroy oh all bacteria. Like, I don't think my three-year-olds know about dabbing, but their siblings might. <laughs> Allie, right. is there anything else that you want to promote? Uh, well, 
Um, I would like to say, uh, because of everything that's been going on and just because of my own interest, I've been streaming a little bit more. Ooh. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And I actually, uh, this isn't like a promotion thing, but just I want to think of this as like a, hooray, I did a thing that's good for me. I've started drawing again, which feels oh, really nice. nice to do well. something creative in this downtime. Hell yeah. I didn't even know you drew. That's awesome. Aw, thank you. Do, do yeah. you want to do you want to promote your your stream on here or not? It's up uh, to you. I I can if that's okay. Um, Always. It's the same as. <laughs> it's the same as my Twitter. It's uh, hey Linda Linda. That's Linda spelled L Y N N D A. It's uh, I mostly stream uh, Richie Mahjong. Uh, and sometimes Monster Hunter and kind of whatever randomness comes my way, but mostly uh, Richie Mahjong. Uh, I Trist. Oh, yeah, go, go ahead, Vera. So yeah, yeah I mean, ahead, the, uh, so, so the main thing that I would definitely say that promote is that uh, definitely go and subscribe, uh, go and take a look at my work at the Daily Hampshire Gazette, where I'm busy covering this coronavirus epidemic. Uh, there's a lot of useful information that you can get on that. Um, and yeah, consider supporting us because you know, right now times are tough for all industries. Yeah. But this is be, bad for I'd also like to say be kind to your fellow human beings too, please. Be nice. I yes. have a lot of friends who are still out there working um, in retail service industry, and they're having a really hard time of it. And if we could all, I mean, in general, but if we could all at least be a little bit nicer, it, it goes a long way. And if you tip, tip. Like, tip well. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you should always tip well, but this is not the well, time to be stingy with the last 50 cents. Put the yeah, last 50 point. cents on. Uh, put the also, dollar. If also, if you're going to tip, if you're going to tip, don't tip with cash. Tip with the card. Cash yeah, well, is a vector. Well, uh, again, that is like cash is less of the thing. It's more. But again, the main thing is just like see if you can get the cash or sign the thing and keep six feet away from the person while also explaining it's yeah. not because you think that they're dirty. It's I don't think you you're gross. Exactly. I mean, when I got my food I, delivered, I was like, listen, I'm trying to be safe to you. I trust you and I trust your food. Um, it's it's just the human-to-human contact. Uh, yeah. I've heard a lot of people say things like, you know, on websites when you put in your order, you could have like a little box to fill out instructions. I've had friends be like, you know, just leave it on the doorstep, leave it outside the door, leave it on the mailbox, stuff like that. And like, be really clear with what you want, especially because again, it's it's a scary time we're living in right now. It not is. To, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. it. No, fun. it's 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 really frightening what we're facing. And please, and I'm please, please, be... please, if you can, <clears throat> and I'm sure I'm not the only, I know I'm not the only one saying this, if you can help other people out, like if you know people who are elderly, sick, immunocompromised, if you can help them in any way by, you know, getting them supplies, food, helping them pick up their medicine if they need to, please do that if you can, if it's safe for you to do it too. Mutual aid is really important at this point in time. Like, Mm -hmm. staying inside and staying away from people is important, but also it is important to help people out. Uh, Be smart. Be smart. Be smart. Be smart, but be big-hearted. And yeah, what what my wise friend Ali says: be kind. Um, and not to get too I get sappy on the cast for the world to listen to, but seriously, like I am so grateful in this really scary time to have 
three wise, wonderful friends, you all, who I get to have the privilege of like coming together and talking about this stuff. Mm, you too, Barra. Thanks, Barra. You too. Oh. And uh, Tristan, please promote your yes. hat. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Cool. So I've been playing Doom Eternal. I will continue to play Doom Eternal. Uh, that's what I'm gonna do as soon as we're done here. Yeah, but it's staring at me. But it's up on my second monitor right now. But I'm looking at the Doom Slayer, and I will be streaming it. I'll but be streaming Tr a lot more. Where will you be streaming, Tristan? It, Tristan? How, yeah. What if I wanted to watch you play Doom Eternal? What yeah. What do? would we do? You can go over to twitch.tv slash the underscore millennialist, M-I-L-L-E-N-I-H-I-L-S-T, uh, millennialist, you know, like millennial and nihilist combined. Which is funny because you're uh, like one of the least nihilistic people I know. <laughs> but you also I like puns. With, I, had, I do, and I came up with the username like, oh, that's... That's too brilliant not to use. No, I have no objection. It's just it's it's funny. But yes, um, watch Tris on the. Hey, you know, while the world is while the world is burning to death around us and everyone's getting sick and dying of horrible disease, at least we can hang out and play video games together. It's That's true. Right. It's true. As I as as uh, on the last day I was working in the office before I started to work from home, I suggested. Um, the idea that, you know, if this is to end in fire, then we shall all burn together. And that was not particularly well received, me quoting Sage, Prophet, and Sheeran. <laughs> golly, Miss Molly. He's in love with the shape of you. God, yeah. <laughs> not right. my shapes. That's as good a time as I need to call it. Let's not call it shapes. <laughs> Alright, oh. until next time, y'all. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening or day whenever we're listening to this. And stay safe out there and be kind. Amen. To fellow human. Start to dance and now I'm singing like Girl, you know I want your love Your love was handmade for somebody like me Come on now, follow my lead I may be crazy, don't mind me Say, boy, let's not talk too much Grab on my waist and put that body on me Come on now, follow my lead Come, come on now, follow my lead mm -hmm. I'm in love with the shape of you We push and pull like a magnet do Although my heart is falling too Bed sheets smell like you Every day discovering something brand new